0: Hey there listeners, welcome to Horror Movie Club, the show where two dudes who aren't quite nerds but not quite noobs choose a horror movie each week to rate and review. I'm Ashvin, I'm on the phone with Brian, and on this week's episode we're going to be talking about the 1983 horror film Sleepaway Camp, written and directed by Robert Hiltzik and starring Felissa Rose, Catherine Cammy, Paul D'Angelo, and Mike Kellan. In this film, a group of kids and counselors at a summer camp fall prey to a mysterious killer. If you're new to our show, Brian and I are going to have a spoiler-free discussion up front. We'll take a fake break, we'll hear some music, and then we'll dive into the plot, hit some spoilers, and get into our review. Brian, I feel like uh, this one's similar to Phantasm, where everyone's seen this film, but I, I hadn't yet. How many times have you seen this one? Uh, I've seen it maybe like three or four times. And like, did you see this growing up as a kid, or did you caught it in your later years? No, definitely in my later years. Oh, really? So you were also late to the party on this one?
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a classic in some circles, but it's certainly a cult classic.
0: Interesting. Why do you think this one is like a cult classic and like not to the level of like other summer camp horror films?
1: Because it's so bizarre and outlandish and, <laughs> and shitty in some aspects. Ah, okay, okay. Got it. I mean, we'll yeah. talk about that in the review, but yeah, I don't think it's a shitty. Well, yeah, I don't think it's a shitty movie all around, but there's definitely some uh, yeah. some shortcomings, problematic and areas curveballs, here. <laughs> and problematic yeah. stuff. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get to all that. Oh, okay, I, I I had the feeling I you know I I first heard about this one from uh, I think Amy is a big fan of this film, right? Yes, she is. Right, I remember she was like kind of rave about it and I felt like it was one of those movies that I was missing out on in one of those like classic slashers, but you think it's more of a cult one then?
1: I mean, it should not be missed. D- don't mistake that. I think everyone should see this movie who's a fan of horror, but I just don't think it was super prominent when it was released and even throughout the 80s and 90s, maybe aside from a few like diehard horror fans and stuff, but maybe I'm wrong, but... uh <laughs> It seems the perception I got is that once the internet hit and information became more easy to exchange, that's when this movie kind of blew up more. Um, a lot of the sure. people who like, directed it and starred in it didn't really even know it was that big of a deal yeah. until they were commented by like people running sleepaway camp websites and stuff, or they're commented yeah. to or contacted to do commentary on the DVD release, stuff like that.
0: I love stories like that. Like, that only existed back in the 80s and 90s, where you'd put something out, and then you'd go on with your life not knowing, like, how big of a hit it was, uh, and then, like, find out, like, 20 years later. Yeah, we've seen that a
1: few times in background info for movies, like, people who were part of a movie and didn't even know it was beloved, finding out later. So, that is really interesting.
0: Wasn't, like, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 in that category?
1: Yes, and uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night.
0: Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah right <laughs> then, then yeah
1: like like if you look to at some of the IMDB pages for like Felicia Rose or Jonathan Tiersten who played Ricky they've both got a similar career trajectory where they're really not in very much after Sleepaway Camp but then suddenly post 2000s after like Sleepaway fans and people running Sleepaway fan websites reach out to them they start showing up in a lot more like B horror movies, oh, and sure. they start doing the con-, con circuits and stuff like that, and they begin to start making a career out of this again.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow, that's that's a crazy like delayed reaction. Seventeen yeah. years later. But yeah,
1: it's interesting. It, it's got to be a, a trip like to to live a life like that where like I did this mo- weird movie, and then like I went on with my life, and then yeah, uh, 15, 20 years later, it was like a big deal again.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh,
1: I'd like to hear from listeners, too, who were aware of it in the 80s or 90s and, and how you feel about what we're saying. Like, are we crazy? And it was big throughout the 80s and 90s and we just didn't know about it. It seems like it had to have a certain level of underground status either way.
0: Yeah, I mean, would you say the return... I, I mean, it looks like it was a successful film. At, mil, at $350K uh, budget, it made $11 million. So it seems like it was profitable from that angle, but maybe that's still like a low box office return. What, yeah, what do you think?
1: I'm going to... This is the part of the episode where I push back on your Wikipedia facts, but Damn. that $11 million <laughs> was based on an article from com, which doesn't necessarily even look like it's run by Felisa Rose, so it just... <laughs> It didn't look very uh, trustworthy for cold, hard facts. Oh, okay. It's got like big white, whitish yellow font on a black background, that kind of website.
0: <laughs> doesn't look as legit as Wikipedia. <laughs> no, certainly okay. not. Um, yeah, but but then it spawns two sequels, so d- doesn't that mean there, was, there must have been quite a following or success for when, yeah, when it mean, came out? Yeah, I
1: mean, right. That is true. That's a good point. Um, I didn't really, couldn't. I couldn't really even find info on like a wide release. I saw information that it on the American Film Institute's website that it made 90k in its first week opening in LA. I saw some info about a New York release, but yeah, yeah. I couldn't even tell if it had a wide release. Right, right. But yeah. yeah, like you said, it had to have had some success because there's a whole franchise. There's Sleepaway Camp in 1983, Sleepaway Camp Two: Unhappy Campers in 1988. Sleepaway Camp Three, Teenage Wasteland in 1989, Return to Sleepaway Camp 2008, Sleepaway Camp Four: The Survivor in 2012, and and three of those were pre, those three of those were in the 80s. So right, yeah, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it was a bigger deal than I'm I'm imagining.
0: Yeah, it would be interesting to hear from others what, what it was like when this movie came out. Um, and it, it sounds like there's also like a reboot potentially in the works, and as well as a documentary. So yeah, clearly like some kind of cultural uh, or cult uh, kind of following here and, and legacy that continues to live on with this film.
1: For sure, for sure.
0: Um, but yeah, spe- speaking of the unknown success, you read. A, I, so I think this was the director's only film, and after this, he's been working at, as a partner at a law firm um so yeah it's like a a one-off film he did in the 80s and that that was it
1: yeah yeah and then he also directed wrote and directed return to sleepaway camp in 2008
0: oh okay they brought him back But yeah you're
1: right he just went on with his life he was a lawyer and then he found out people were into this movie and he decided to to do
0: another one yeah yeah that's uh, that's crazy um the other uh, thing, oh, in terms of like the cast, most of them I feel like were either new time actors or haven't gone on to do much else. Like not, not a, a lot of familiar names here. Did did you recognize anyone?
1: Yeah, there are a lot of like first time, last time actors in this film. That's yeah. for sure. Right. Um, and yeah, like I mentioned, Felice Felisa Rose and Jonathan Tiersten, who played Ricky and and Angela, they really weren't in much after this until like post two thousands, and then. They started showing up in a lot of B-horror movies, just where like the people watching them are going to know who they are, kind of. Right. Um, Christopher Collette, who played Paul, seemed to have a more steady career. He was in a lot of random episodes of prominent TV shows and after-school specials, and then as an adult, he seems to have steady work as a voice actor in like, cartoons and video games. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, Desiree Gold, who played Aunt Martha, didn't work much. She had a few a handful of low-budget horror in the past decade or two. Yeah. Uh, she passed away last year at 76, unfortunately. And then I think the most, the actor who had the biggest career who was involved was Mike Kellen, who played Mel, like the guy that ran, ran the camp.
0: Right, right.
1: Um, but he died shortly after filming.
0: Yeah, he did like movies in the 50s, some TV shows in the 60s, I think. Yes. Uh, yeah. But I mean, I I don't recognize him from anything. And I, I think uh, Catherine Cammy, who's one of the camp counselors was in a show uh in the show All My Children, which sounds familiar, but I don't, I don't think I've ever seen that one.
1: Oh yeah, I mean that's a big show.
0: Yeah. You ever see it? Um
1: probably as a kid with like my aunt or mom watching it in the background or babysitter or something. Sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was wondering what the plot of that show is. Um...
1: And unfortunately Karen Fields who played Judy, this is basically the only thing she was in.
0: Oh okay, okay.
1: Aside from a short film titled Judy, like somewhere in the past <laughs> decade or two I think.
0: Oh, yeah, that's got kind of like plays to her character in this movie, right? Yeah. yeah. She yeah. wears a
1: T-shirt at one point that just says Judy.
0: <laughs> that's hilarious. <laughs> oh, man. Another uh, the, 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 the thing I thought was really interesting is in the sequels that came out in the 80s, it stars um, Angela, played by Pamela Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen's sister. Really interesting. Yeah, I didn't know he had a sister that was uh, an actress. That's, that was pretty interesting to find out. Wow, okay. Uh, What else? Other background that jumped out to you here?
1: I was pretty surprised that the Rotten Tomatoes critic score is 78%. Yeah,
0: right? That's pretty high for a film like this.
1: Yeah, indeed. Indeed. I think a large part of it's probably people analyzing it years later kind of for its novelty. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't think people had that much to say about it that was positive aside from like this is a wild ride or like, not to be missed, or boy, that ending. So, uh, It's definitely a novelty for its ending, which we haven't even mentioned yet. And if you're one of those people who listens to the show, even if you haven't seen the movie because you don't intend to see the movie, or maybe you'll watch it later, I would strongly urge you to, if you don't know the the uh, ending to this film, to watch it before you listen to us spoil it for you.
0: Yeah, and it's streaming for free on Shutter. But otherwise, I'm sure you can rent it on Amazon Prime or something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think it's Shutter and Tubi. I feel like it's maybe free a few places, but yeah. And then yeah, okay. You could rent it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Highly uh, worth the watch just to be a part of the conversation, I guess.
1: For sure. And just to, yeah, I mean, there's just the ending you has to be seen to
0: believed. So it sounds like you don't think when this came out, it was like really well-received then. Is that is that right?
1: I don't know. I mean, well-received, I'm not sure about, but... Small and not mainstream is my guess, but but again, I could be wrong.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's this came out like three years after Friday the 13th, which I think like kind of like set the whole, I, I think that was like one of the first summer camp slashers, wasn't it?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. mean, Friday the 13th in 1980, then The Burning, I think was 1981, and yeah, 78 to 84 is often mentioned as the golden age of slashers, so this was right in the thick of it, so... I don't know, maybe it was more popular than I'm giving it credit for.
0: Yeah, I thought I saw some of the reviews, like, comparing it to Friday the 13th, being like, yeah, this is, you know, very comparable, but, um, obviously, like, with with the twist at the end, uh, people might, um, be saying, like, uh, it, it added something additional or brought something new to the game, but, yeah, I don't know, I, interesting to know how audiences perceive this. Yeah. At the time. Yeah.
1: So let us know, let us know if you, if you saw this in the 80s for the first time. Get in yep. touch. Yeah, man, I don't have much other background. Released is Nightmare Vacation. That was the title in the UK. Um, <laughs> Nightmare not Vacation. Not too much other info. I'm sure that some like diehard Sleepaway Camp heads have a lot of background info they they want to hear from us, and maybe we'll pepper some of that throughout. But uh, yeah,
0: one uh, discussion topic for you before we jump into uh, the plot. So th- I, I think this fits into a genre of slashers, like the Who Done It slasher. Like the screams and stuff, where you don't know who the killer is, and that's part of the suspense. And when you compare that to like Friday the Thirteenth or like Halloween's or Nightmare on Elm Street, where you have a defined killer, uh, what do, what do you think? Like, do, do you prefer the Who Done It approach, or do you like knowing who your killer is, and like that adding to the scare? Oh man, a that's a
1: really good question. Um, well, I mean, Friday the Thirteenth, the original, is definitely a Who Done It, but then yeah, after that, of course, it's not yeah I don't really know. They're a different kind of movie um I think I might prefer a who done it but it it's like a totally different experience uh one where you know the killer can be more fun and like kind of an easier watch in some ways, but the who done it can kind of make things more interesting and keep you engaged,
0: yeah. It does kind of make it more interactive and more of like having kind of a mystery thriller. Uh, sometimes for me, it takes away the scare because um, you don't have like a villain you're concentrating on that you know is really scary. Um, uh, yeah, unless like it's a cool mask or something. But, sure, uh, that makes sense. Yeah, sometimes it feels more like you're watching like Clue or something. Uh, gotcha. To me, but but you, you like it, you think it, like it adds a layer of fun to like the typical slasher format.
1: Yeah, a little bit, and like in something like Friday the 13th part whatever uh you can get or, or Halloweens the sequel's not to pick on Friday the 13th like we always do but you can get a little bored between kills like there's not too much to pay attention to or have reason to pay attention to but if it's a who done it you might have a little bit more reason to sure pay attention to pick up on details or try to like understand the story and who might have a motive
0: yeah, cuz I, you're I think of, there's a
1: place for both of course, but maybe a whodunit is my slight preference.
0: Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, I think I might lean a little bit the other way. Uh but gotcha. yeah, they, it's a, it's it's cool that they bring that to the slash of format and I feel like movies like a it, was, it wasn't April Fool's Day kind of a who as well as like my yeah. Bloody Valentine, I think. Right. Those, yeah, and yeah, and I mean,
1: I say that I'm a pref I prefer the who but that being said, like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street are infinitely better than My Bloody Valentine and April Fools Day to me, but I think <laughs> yeah. if it's a standard run of the mill slasher, like a umpteenth sequel to one of those big killer franchises, then I might be more interested in an original who done it than Sure. Yeah. The yep, Halloween Part sense. Part 4 or whatever. Yeah. Gotcha. No Disc cool. Part 4 is pretty good, but just saying.
0: Oh, which which one? Halloween how Part Four is pretty good.
1: Yeah, that one's actually pretty good.
0: Oh, cool! Is that that's the next one up, right, on our list?
1: Yeah, yeah, we should probably cover that this year. Cool. All right.
0: Sounds good. Uh, any other background you want to cover?
1: Um, no, that's about it. I I got an Ohio connection. If you're ready for that, let's do it. All right, our Ohio connection, as always, comes from our friend Alex, who owns the Jukebox Bar and Restaurant in Cleveland, Ohio, so swing by if you're a Northeast Ohioan for some uh, good drinks and good food. And Alex says, Sleepaway Camp is a cult slasher film about a young girl, Angela, who is sent to a summer camp that becomes the site of a series of murders. Actress Felisa Rose made her film debut as Angela, a role she reprised in the 2008 sequel Return to Sleepaway Camp. Rose has over 100 film credits, many in the horror genre, and has become a prominent figure in the cult status and ongoing promotion of the Sleepaway Camp franchise. She is listed as the executive producer for an upcoming documentary film on the series titled Angela, the official Sleepaway Camp documentary, which has been in pre-production since 2016. In June 2021, Rose appeared as a panelist for a post-screening Sleepaway Camp Q&A at the Studio 35, Late night horror and meet and greet, and this event took place in Grandview, a suburb of Columbus, Ohio.
0: Oh, cool. That, that sounds like it would have been fun.
1: Yeah. Hey, you know, that that reminds me, uh, Angela's or Felicia Rose's filmography reminds me. One um, notable thing that she's going to be in pretty soon is Terrifier 2.
0: Oh, yeah. She's in that, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Whenever that finally comes out, we should
0: see her in that.
1: Yeah, that's coming out this year, I think. It's supposed to come out in fall. I haven't just, I just haven't seen anything official, but maybe I missed it.
0: Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm pretty excited for that one. Yeah, me too. Awesome. Uh, anything else? No, no, I'm ready to keep moving if you are. Yeah, yeah, let's talk about the plots. Uh, we'll hit some spoilers and uh, review the film. Uh, but hey, do you mind if I take a quick, uh, restroom break, uh, before we do that? Sure, go for it. All right, I'll be back in like 30 seconds.
1: <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs>
0: Hey, Brian, sorry about that, I'm back.
1: Yeah, how did everything go?
0: Uh, you know, sorry, it, t- it took a little bit longer. Uh, it, w- it went well. I just, uh, I-, I had to find the bee repellent before, uh, you know, I-, I-, I took a dump. Uh, just because you never know when someone's going to drop a beehive on you while you're taking a shit. Can I
1: never be too careful.
0: I know, I know. Do you usually like, wear like a beekeeping mask or something when you poop?
1: Yeah, I just keep it right next to the toilet. That way nice. I-, I don't have to worry about it and I never forget it. That's convenient. Yeah, <laughs> it's got a hole cut out in the butt, so I've got a, some vulnerability there. But otherwise, I'm all right.
0: That's that seems pretty safe, uh, assuming you got like a good uh, coverage with the toilet hole. Right, if you got like
1: seat. a tight, uh, tight uh, seal <laughs> there, the bees just walk all over. I've been all trying to uh, <laughs> eat a little bit more lately, but my my weight doesn't really go to my ass naturally. So,
0: oh yeah, gotta work yeah. on that tight seal. It'll get there. It'll get there. Thanks, buddy. Cool. All right, well, uh, yeah, jumping into the plot here. So this movie opens with some credits that are shot over this abandoned and uh, now sold camp. I think it's called Camp Arawake, is that right? Oh, boy, good question. I don't remember. Okay, yeah, not sure how it's pronounced. Um, But uh, while they're showing the scenes of the camp, we kind of hear conversation of kids of summer's past, I assume. We then uh, jump to a scene where there's a father... And his two children, a son and daughter, they are hanging out on this boat in a lake. Uh, The son's name is Peter. The daughter's name is Angela. Angela and Peter get up to some mischief, and they cause the boat to overturn. As the three of them try to swim back to shore, some dim-witted teenagers accidentally run them over with a rowboat. Oh, no, sorry, with a motorboat. The father, I believe, is killed. It's kind of hard to tell what happens here. We see his body floating underwater, and then it's unclear kind of what happens to the kids. What did you think of this opening scene?
1: I actually thought it was—it's surprisingly tragic.
0: Really? Like
1: you felt emotional? I felt a little emotional. I mean, it's a little silly, especially because the one woman—the like girl—who's screaming, "Like somebody help them!" It's S- like somebody help the people. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like awkward dialogue, awkward acting, and awkward like cinematography and editing as they just hang on her like standing still in the water screaming and talking for a really long time
0: yeah (laughs) but i I I guess it's
1: just the events themselves are pretty sad
0: yeah, yeah, true. What what happens here is pretty sad, but I think the way it's shot like feels very clumsy and awkward. Uh, and like, there's some guy watching from uh, the lakeside who was calling them over. We don't really know who he is. Uh, so it's interesting. There is some good foreshadowing here, though, right? Like, if if like you look at the opening dialogue, like they see a speeding boat in the background, and the kid is like, "Oh, when when can I do that?" And uh, the girl is asking, "Oh, can we go to the camp someday?" So I, I feel like there's some good foreshadowing there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, clumsy, yeah, a little bit. But it could certainly be worse when compared to other 80s slashers, sure. low-budget
0: 80s slashers. What What is the chance of a motorboat accident, though? Like, you have a whole lake in front of you.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, they really weren't paying attention. I would call that <laughs> like a, I don't know anything about boats, but I would call that like a speedboat. Oh, a speedboat. Okay, yeah. I think of a motorboat as a little like putt-putt-putt
0: thing, but they were water skiing on the back of this thing. Sure, yeah, I guess they were flying pretty fast. Yeah. Yeah, interesting setup. So then we jump eight years ahead in time, and we meet Ricky and Angela, who are being sent off to summer camp by Ricky's mother. She's incredibly eccentric, and has this crazy dialogue piece with them where she keeps kind of questioning herself and kind of going off into these like thought circles on her own and uh, she mentions that she's filled out their physical and she is a doctor so it should be fine but don't tell anyone that she filled it out did you connect here that these kids at all were related to the opening scene
1: yeah, I did assume that this was the aunt and the daughter had survived, and that was Angela who was here with her cousin Ricky.
0: Okay, you but, tied the names together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she's wild,
1: isn't she? The way she acts.
0: Oh man, yeah, and like she's like wearing a bra or something, and I just felt like she was like in a different movie.
1: Yeah, it's totally off the wall. She's like a cartoon. I I have. No idea why she was directed this way or acts this way. I mean, she is supposed to be insane, which makes sense later. But uh, yeah, yeah. it's it's pretty bonkers. Yeah, I, I, think... I don't know that I'd change it. But... <laughs> I, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of feel like the, the movie so far is kind of a whirlwind. You have this like crazy opening tragic accident, something that's like really eccentric uh, performance by this aunt. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is when I texted you and I was like, is this a comedy or something? Because I, I can't yeah, tell what's going on here.
1: Yeah, it's it it's throws you for a loop right away with her performance.
0: Yeah. <laughs> no, no, that,
1: that won't do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what would they say? <laughs> uh, and um, Angela, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you caught the name here. I didn't catch it the first time, because it was, it was mentioned really quick in the opening scene that that little girl's name was Angela, and like it's thrown in here. So y- you think on the first few, you kind of connected those two dots together? I
1: believe so, but yeah, it's been a few years since I watched it the first time, so it's hard to say.
0: Okay. All right. So Angela and Ricky arrive at camp. At the summer camp with a bunch of other kids, and we're introduced to some of the other characters as well as the staff that works at the camp. The camp staff include a guy named Artie, whose <laughs> opening line immediately reveals that he's a blatant pedophile. I think he calls them like young chickens, and like it's the age is never too young. He says some pretty creepy stuff, right?
1: Yeah, I've got a few quotes because yeah, it, it sticks out. Uh, yeah. Look at all them young fresh chickens, where I come from, they call them baldies, makes your ah. mouth water, don't it? And then Gross. he goes on to say, ain't no such thing as being too young. And the other chef just like laughs it off. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, real a, fucked up.
0: Such a general conversation, yeah. Like, uh, even so, so,
1: for the 80s and a cheap summer camp slasher, this is still pretty fucked up.
0: Yeah, 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 pretty disturbing. Uh, the owner of the camp is like this other oddball character. He's this dude named Mel, who is this older gentleman who's always smoking like a cigar. And he, he seems like someone who should be like on a yacht down in Florida, like off like a retirement community or something, doesn't he? Yeah, he does kind of have that, uh, that essence to him, doesn't he? Yeah, like what's he doing running a, a summer camp up here? He's, he's just this kind of weird baller uh, Cuban smoking guy. Really weird. I you- mean,
1: you just think he's a baller because he smokes cigars? I think that's what makes someone a
0: baller, don't you think so?
1: All right. If anybody ever wants to try to convince Ashwin to invest in something, just show up on his <laughs> doorstep with a cigar in your mouth and you're good. That's
0: literally, that's literally all it takes, man. What's your reaction when you see someone with <laughs> that, a cigar?
1: Yeah, that's why he's been doing this podcast for four years. <laughs>
0: exactly. I proposed
1: I, it to him while I was smoking a cigar and he couldn't say no.
0: I still remember the day. So <laughs> where where do stage? I
1: sign, Brian? <laughs>
0: yeah. What'd you say your name was? <laughs> <laughs> right. <Would> you... <laughs> yeah, that was pretty convincing. So Angela struggles pretty uh, tough at, it's, it's a hard integration for her at this camp. She's insanely shy, refuses to speak to anyone, and uh, the other kids obviously are thrown off by this. The cons- her counselors are getting frustrated with her. and I, I don't know, did you feel like it was almost like rude the way she was acting, or were you kind of feeling for her at all?: I was feeling
1: for her because they were really bullying her for being quiet.
0: But she'd like literally sit there and like they'd be talking to her and she would just like blatantly stare at them and not say anything back. Like, isn't there like a line between being shy versus an asshole?
1: <laughs> yeah, I think I think if someone was truly acting that way, it would be so disturbing and weird
0: that you'd be like, okay, something is deeply wrong with this person. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Something was really uh, wrong. Right. Yeah. It's concerning behavior. Um, so. What, oh yeah, so the, the, at one scene, Angela is refusing to eat, they're in the mess hall, and one of the counselors sends her into the back with that pedophile Artie to find something that she would like to eat, so they go into the stock room, Artie immediately begins trying to come up, uh, come onto her, um, I think he like starts unbuckling his belt, fortunately her cousin Ricky walks in. And the two of them get out of there before Artie can uh, do anything uh, too serious here. But it's still pretty. That's a that's a tough scene, isn't it?
1: Yeah, really creepy. Yeah.
0: However, Artie then is trying to cook some corn, and while he's trying to get the water to boil, we see a killer. Or we see someone. We we're like having that killer's view. Right, the of, POV. Oh yeah, the killer POV. Two hands come behind him and cause him to fall over, bringing the boiling water down onto him, and he burns himself. Third degree burns all over. He's in excruciating pain. He has to be taken to the hospital. Uh, Pretty interesting kill here. Well, not even a kill, but just a, a great injury. But what did you think of this? I actually thought it was really cool. There were really pretty good makeup effects on him with those burns, right? I was so impressed with the makeup friends, yeah, because just like the quality of the acting in the film so far was kind of low, so I I didn't expect such a good quality in terms of the gore there. I agree,
1: I agree. It it really shows up in terms of the effects, and they've got like one or two of those blisters is like popping or like pulse like, like getting bigger and smaller. It's pretty gnarly, and yeah, he's he's a pretty shitty actor, but he's like screaming in agony the whole time, and I really like the choice to just have him. Never not be screaming in agony, even as the situation's getting resolved and the paramedics are carting him away. He's just screaming the whole time.
0: I know it's like kind of satisfying he didn't like get killed. Like it's more more right. like it, yeah, rewarding to like see him just like be in pain forever.
1: Right, right. Like say what you will about like the whole problematicness of that character, and it's kind of like surprising he's even included. But uh, he he definitely
0: gets his punishment. Right, right. Um, I think it's established at this point. I, I don't know if, if you felt that like this was obvious, but can the viewer ultimately say from here that the killer is one of the children, or do you think it could still be an adult at this point?
1: Uh, I think anything's up for grabs. Well, he says, hey, get out of here, kid, so you know it's a kid.
0: Okay, yeah. I, I thought it was like the, the hands looked kind of small, so you could tell it was a kid's hands. Sure. But, yeah, I guess get out of here, kid, also points to that. So the bullying of Angela continues. Uh, We have these two older boys who bully her for being silent. Uh, One night, one of those boys, or actually both of those boys go out on the lake on these canoes to pull a prank on some girls. And one of the boys is attacked when someone pops out from under the water and pulls him under the water and he drowns. And the next morning, a camp counselor finds him. And I think, again, we get some cool effects on the dead body of the drowned boy. Yeah, the dead
1: body looks good and there's a snake coming out of his mouth, so uh, pretty gnarly. Again, yeah. I'm I'm impressed with the effects.
0: Yeah, the snake was a nice touch. And at this point, like I we established in the first kill that it's uh, one of the one of the kids, and I think in this one we established that it's a kid with brown hair. So you kind of are feeling it's going to be like Ricky or Angela, right?
1: Right, you're you're narrowing in here. Hey, yeah. um Something just dawned on me. There's a really memorable quote somewhere in here that I was going to get to at the end. Yeah. But it just dawned on me that it might comment on what we were just talking about how Artie got his and he, it's almost worse that he lived because he has to suffer with these burns. Uh-huh. Um, there's kind of like a prolonged baseball playing scene yeah. in between these, this kill and the Artie death or Artie injury. And, uh, so like, Ricky's shit talking to somebody and he goes, Hey, this guy blows dead dogs and the kid says, Eat shit and die, Ricky. And then Ricky's comeback is, Eat shit and live, Bill. Which is like a killer because it's like it's badass and it's like, oh yeah, then you'd have to live to experience fully the eating of the shit. Yeah. And uh yeah. And, I almost think I could interpret that as a commentary on Artie's kill. Like, oh shit, he's a real problematic character to have in there. But uh, yeah, like, perhaps it's better that he didn't die. He he had to eat shit and live.
0: Yeah, that's so interesting. That that is a quote that kind of sticks with you at after this film. And that doesn't make sense of uh, in his death, <laughs> he had to live through that. That's hilarious, man. Uh, I feel like Ricky's shit talking in this movie was great. Like, yeah, he's a. he's really uh, his shit talking is top tier. Yeah, I've got, to, I've got to take some notes off this guy. Yeah. Real um, protective of Angela, too. Yeah, yeah. You, you can tell there's like a really tight uh, tight chemistry between the two characters there, and, and he really feels like he's taking her under his wing.
1: Yeah. He's like, keep my cousin's name out your fucking mouth.
0: <laughs> nice. I was wondering if that was going to make her way into the podcast. <laughs> make it swing into the podcast. I found
1: a way. It's topical as we're recording, but people will probably be sick of it by the time we do this.
0: (laughs) That's going to be so last week by the time we put
1: this out.
0: Uh, Good one. The next day, another kid, older kid, throws some water balloons at Angela. Later that day, he is taking a shit in the toilet, and someone locks him in the toilet and dumps a a beehive on top of him, which stings him to death. I thought this this kill I thought was awesome. Like I've I've never seen uh, something cool like this go down, and I thought the the bee stings looked amazing. What what did you think? Yeah,
1: very creative kill. The stings looked amazing, and they really did have a whole bunch of bees on a fake face. And uh, yeah, again for a low budget slasher here, they really uh, that seems really off the wall and like even lower quality than some other low budget slashers. They really went all in on these kills, and I'm, I'm I continue to be impressed with that.
0: They did. Do you know who the FX group was behind this?
1: Oh, man. I realized right before we were recording, I did not look that up. And I, I wish I did, because uh, we should give them some credit. Maybe at some point before the end of the episode, I'll, I'll Google it so we can get some recognition in here.
0: All right. Yeah. I, I tried looking for it. I mean, usually it's like listed on Wikipedia, but I, I didn't see any name drops there. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So meanwhile, one of Ricky's friends, Paul, has taken a liking to Angela. One night, he's kissing her on the bench, or no, on the beach, and we get this flashback of Angela's father from the beginning in bed with another man. This is followed by a scene of her and her brother or some other boy sitting in a bed pointing to each other. What did you make of this scene? Uh, It felt kind of important, but it it felt like very ambiguous as well. What what was your interpretation?
1: Yeah, I mean... (laughs) The, like them pointing at each other is just really odd right yeah i, I still can't kind of
0: under, comprehend what was going on there
1: i thought like they were gonna like play doctor or something it, it was very very odd um yeah i mean it was a reveal that their dad was gay and that that guy calling them from the shore was his gay lover right um but then the, the And they witness them, like, having sex, so maybe it's just a natural thing for kids to, like, go, like, play doctor and be curious about that stuff. Sure. The scene where they're, like, pointing at each other just kind of confused me and felt unnecessary, unless it's hinting at some other
0: thing. Yeah, yeah. Let's put a pin on that one and come back to it after uh, the end. Cool. Um, That sounds good. Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I felt like this was maybe like a, an adolescent kind of struggling with uh, the idea of sex, because this is like the first time she's with a boy who's like coming on to her pretty aggressively, and maybe she's like harking back to like something she did with her brother or some boy when, when she was younger, but uh, yeah, it's an interesting thing here, but yeah, the r- reveal here is that her dad's lover was uh, the, uh, or like her dad and, and the guy that we saw in the beginning on the beach were, were lovers, right? Right, yeah. Yep.
1: Yeah, uh, so I like... I think the timing here makes sense, which we'll talk about later, but uh, yeah, the the specific them pointing their fingers at each other, I'm not sure if I got it.
0: Okay, cool. So You Meg, find it odd
1: that we're continuing going on with the camp after two deaths and one near death?
0: Yeah, and, and I think Mel is like purposely trying to hide things, even though it's becoming obvious as a killer. Uh, and I think it's, is he worried about like financial recourse here and like having to lose money by shutting down the camp? Is that the yes, impression you yeah. got? He
1: is, yeah. Yeah. And I also, it's funny that they're like talking about consolidating the bunks after like only two kids have died. It's like, well, there's like <laughs> six kids in every cabin. Like, I don't know that you need to consolidate bunks. Yeah. It was weird.
0: As like a protective measure?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know what the plan was there. They mentioned yeah. it like a few times,
0: I think. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was interesting. Um, yeah, the, pa- the pacing—you uh, can't tell like the level of panic that's going on because yeah, for for one second they're like, oh, we all got to like this is curfew, we can't go out, but then like there's a social like the next night or something. So it's <laughs> yeah. it's kind of weird.
1: It's very strange.
0: Yep. Uh, so one of Angela's camp counselors, Meg, loses her temper when Angela gives her the silent treatment, and she throws Angela into the water when Angela refuses to swim with the other kids. That night, while Meg is taking a shower, she gets attacked in the shower and stabbed in the back, and the knife is kind of pulled down her back, drawing uh, a lot of blood all over the place. Another group of kids in the woods get slaughtered off-screen with a hatchet. Do you know why these kids were killed?
1: I think just for, for being there, yeah. I don't know if maybe it was a group of kids who had made fun of Angela at some point, since that seems to be the pattern, or, or what? That's but the thing. it like, seemed
0: like there were just some random kids, right? It did. And, and the pattern so far is like everyone who kind of makes fun of Angela or attacks her or bullies her is getting killed. These three felt really weird. When I read it on Wikipedia, apparently they had thrown sand at uh, Ricky and Angela earlier on, but I don't, I don't think that scene's actually in the movie.
1: Oh, I do remember kids throwing sand and, and Ricky like, yeah shouts at them as he's getting he retrieves Angela from the pool after and Meg throws her in
0: oh and at that point their kids throwing sand at them
1: yeah yeah but they're like it's a it's a long shot so you don't even really see those kids faces when they throw the sand
0: oh okay okay
1: got it I mean you do but they're so far away it's
0: you would never be like those are the kids I don't know maybe a more eagle-eyed viewer would no yeah I mean that, that totally slips my attention so good catch um But yeah, this kill happens off screen, so we we don't get to see much here. Um, Another kill that happens here is Angela's roommate, uh, this girl named Judy. Judy's kind of been antagonizing Angela this whole time. Uh, She's really jealous, uh, or like she seems to be jealous of Angela's relationship with Paul. And she used to hook up with Ricky, but now she's moved on to older gentlemen or older classmates. What do you think of Judy's character?
1: I think Judy's probably a beloved character. No kidding. She really just, she has a certain swagger about her. Beloved, yeah. like, people, you love to hate her. Sure,
0: sure. <laughs> she's just kind of got her own, like, badass way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's a rebel. Uh, yeah, so Judy here is in the room by herself. We see someone come in, and we actually see the face of the killer this time. And it kind of looks like a mix of Ricky and Angela, I, I thought. What, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just Ricky in a wig. I don't know if that was more backlit in, like, the v- VHS era and you really couldn't see the face, but it was plainly Ricky in the, the movie right? that I watched.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I thought, it. Uh, yeah. oh, like, it was plainly, like, that actor or? Yeah, was... yeah. Like, it was oh, okay. definitely
1: the actor who plays Ricky.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a big reveal here, but it's interesting. Uh, but Julie Judy gets attacked and apparently, I, I guess she takes the curling iron, or the killer takes the curling iron, and w- what happens here?
1: You don't see what happens. It, they, I saw some comments about how the final like shot of her death was too gruesome, and it, it was not included. Um, yeah, because the MPAA wanted it out. I don't know truly where that hot curling iron was put. So okay. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they would have gone there with that. Um, yeah, I with like a yeah, presumably think... underage person. But yeah, I don't know exactly what happened. But she was killed with a hot
0: curling iron. Right. I think when you read the plot, it says that it that hot curling iron was put maybe where some of us might think it was put. Okay. But all all we see as the viewers are is like a shadow of her hands being stuck in the air, which I, I thought was an interesting shot. Was, sure. Funny. Yeah. The cigar-smoking, cool camp owner, Mel, who believes that Rick- <laughs> So suave. Yeah. So suave. Uh, so he's convinced that Ricky's the killer, and there's a really funny scene where he confronts Ricky earlier on, and it's just funny to see like this older man going to town on this like younger kid. Like, I know you're the killer. You're trying to ruin me financially. And this is how you know you can trust the guy with the cigars, because they're always thinking about finances and business plans and financial projections <laughs> and things. Uh, but at this point, he's so devastated that one of the camp counselors, Meg, got killed that he finds Ricky in the woods and beats the shit out of him. And there's some, like, terrible acting, I think, going on here. But after he beats the shit out of uh, Ricky, he walks into a field and he is killed by a killer that we don't see who throws, like, an arrow through his neck. I, I,
1: <laughs> I assume they shot it from a bow <laughs> if they oh, threw it. That's real fucking impressive. <laughs> I take yeah. that! <laughs> um, also, we didn't talk about it, but Meg, who's probably like 16, has a date with Mel who's like 60. Yeah. yeah. And they're both super excited about it. Another just weird, creepy thing included in this movie so casually. Yeah. And yeah, his reaction say. to Meg's death when he finds her is some truly terrible acting.
0: Uh, I know it's so bad. Even when he's like killing a, or like beating up Ricky, he's like, "This is for you, Meg," or something, or uh, I, "I'm keeping my word to you," or something. It's it's terrible. It's really it's cheesy. pretty bad.
1: And and may he rest in peace. He did. I think he may have been ill with lung cancer while the film was being shot. So so oh, that could man. have affected his acting. I'm not sure.
0: He might have had lung cancer, and and he's like on screen smoking a cigar the whole time. Boy, that's a yeah. Good point. Yeah, that sounds rough. Um, how much of Meg's attraction to, you, to him do you think was the cigar?
1: <laughs> so, sounds like a hundred percent. I didn't know what kind
0: of uh, sway the cigar held until now. Yeah, dude. It's, 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 it, it definitely makes an impression. Uh, so now with all these bodies being found, the camp counselors run around and try to round everyone up. The police come and they're looking for Angela and they find her on the beach with Paul in her lap. From And we see here from the back, we suddenly cut to this flashback and we see Angela, well, we see this scene where the aunt that we saw in the beginning is taking in Peter, who was one of the kids from the the boating accident in the beginning, and that uh, the aunt is telling Peter that we're going to make you into Angela because I've always wanted a daughter and I already have a son So it's revealed that this whole time, Angela was actually Peter, did I explain that right?
1: Yeah, so Angela actually died in the boating accident, and Peter was adopted by his aunt Martha, but she already had a little boy in Ricky, and so having another boy simply would not do, and yeah, she decided, I'm gonna
0: call you Angela, and you will be a girl now. Right, exactly. All right, so we jump to present day, where the camp counselors now discover Angela on the beach. She turns around naked, holding Paul's... Actually, I don't think she's holding heads. Uh, Paul's severed head. I, I think we know that uh, Angela's cut off Paul's head. And we see Angela's face on a naked body. Uh, we see a penis, and the camp counselors realize that Angela was a boy this whole time, and the movie ends with the last shot of Angela's face, and it kind of fades to a green filter. What did you think of this scene? It's so ridiculous. And,
1: right? and pretty stupid. She's, and not only is she a boy, but she's like a werewolf. <laughs> like, because of the noise? She's growling. Like, what? I don't understand it. Like yeah. It it's so monstrous and weird that it's not just like okay, there's there's Angela and she has a penis. It's like no, there's yeah. this weird grown man's body with Angela's face on it
0: and it's growling at us, right? And holding this knife and like the expression on her face. The expression, so odd, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's 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 kind of a, a work of art. I mean, I, I think it, it it is like ridiculous, but like, did it creep you out or like, did you feel like it was disturbing because like of how, uh, like just like yeah, the the whole like effects around it, the expression, the noise, the knife, the stance, all all the elements coming together here.
1: No, actually, I I have other things I admire about the movie, but this last shot, I think. It's a hell of a twist that there's no denying that, but I think it's also just really dumb. I I don't yeah I don't really like much about this last last shot, but it sounds like you you dig some of it. You dig what they did here to some extent.
0: You know, I I think visually it, it was kind of cool. I I, I think uh, I I, can, I don't know if it was like the low budget or whatever. I mean, it looks like super fake, right? You can tell it's Angela's face uh, imposed on some kind of on, on like another body, right? Yeah. Uh, and and like none of it's moving so like this is so obviously like is that a picture or like is it a statue or something um and I, I think the combination of elements how quick it is like it's just like 15 seconds with the effects and like just uh that visual on the screen in this the the movie kind of ending there kind of leaves you like kind of uh yeah kind of kind of disturbed and creeped out, creeped out on a movie that's kind of been all over the place so far. So it, it felt like a statement piece at the end, which is what you're looking for this whole time, and like a unique effect in a way. But yeah, I'm mean, curious to hear your thoughts. So it sounds like you weren't too impressed with that last shot, but what about the movie in general? What were your thoughts here?
1: Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because this was your first time watching it, and you, we didn't mention this, but I think you've managed to avoid the spoilers for this, right? You didn't know what to expect.
0: Yeah, I, I, I didn't see that coming at all. That was a, that was a surprise to me. But also, I felt like that, like that. That's not like the, like the twist that would like solve the movie, right? It's like, uh, I don't know. You're looking for. You most of these movies are resolved by them catching the killer or like killing the killer or like yeah taking the killer in or something right and I feel like this movie just cuts at a point where you're revealing this fact about the killer which really I didn't feel like was very material to the movie but what, what did you think?
1: Yeah, I mean it's just because she's a boy doesn't necessarily mean she should be going around murdering everybody. Exactly. Um, <laughs> and there's like a lot of discussion. In the trans community, and the LGBTQ community, that it seems like people take both sides. They'll say, hey, this is a, uh, a message about what it can do to your psyche to be repressed and forced to be a gender that you do not identify with. And others will say, okay, so most trans people have had to live most of their life as a gender that they are not, uh, do not feel that they are. And so you're saying all of us are like psychopaths now. So there's kind of two conflicting viewpoints on it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting. That's for sure. It's provocative. It gives you something to think about. There can be messaging if you view it that way. Um, Yeah, I think there's also some, Like going with the whole like sexuality and like possibly queer themes, it's a very like skin heavy movie for dudes and not ladies, which is unusual for slashers. Like, every dude in this movie is wearing super short shorts, they're wearing those weird like football bear midriff t shirts that have been cut off at the like ribs. Yeah. Um, especially the one camp counselor who's oh like totally <laughs> jacked and he's just got these tiny shorts with his dick like <laughs> I know <laughs> right front and center while he's like helping all these little kids around. It's kind of uncomfortable.
0: Yeah, that was really uncomfortable to see like there's so much skin he's showing and he's just like put, patting kids on the back and stuff. Right, yeah. That's, that's not right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. Uh, yeah,
1: so it's a, a interesting film to like talk about and think about it's such an anomaly there's like so much to it and so little to it at the same time um but i value your take on that final shot because this is your first time you haven't had these few years to like read about it and talk about it with other people and like see the ending a few times so yeah um,
0: yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought it was visually striking, but I, I agree, like, it doesn't really solve anything, and it is problematic. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, yeah, today we can look back and say, uh, you know, it kind of brings to light an issue that wasn't, like, on screen back then, and, like, we can interpret it different ways, but I got to think in the 1983, when this came out, this, yeah, totally was kind of villainizing individuals who uh, would identify as trans.
1: Yeah, and then some people, I think, in the arguments, people will be like, well, she's um he was forced to be a gender i don't know i can't remember that argument well enough to uh to recite it here without putting my foot in my mouth now but <laughs> yeah. um it's it's strange and she's like definitely depicted as monstrous at the end <laughs> like right. she really is like it's like the final shot of a werewolf movie and the full moon just came out or something
0: like that yeah yeah exactly exactly and and it really doesn't explain anything though like why was she, like, killing everyone? Uh, or, like, wh- where did she get those killer instincts from? Right. Uh, yeah, where uh, did that come from? She just broke, I guess? Yeah, summer camp just broke her, yeah. Right. Yeah, I can't tell. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, if there's anybody to kill, it's Aunt Martha. Uh, right, right. Yeah, that's that's kind of where you start. Um, but uh, objectively, like, putting all that aside, like, visually, you still think, like, that last uh scene and like that that image uh doesn't like it's more ridiculous than scary yeah yeah for sure got yeah. it yeah in my opinion um, outside of that what about like the rest of the movie how how'd you feel about uh like the way it plays out the characters story
1: yeah it's interesting because like so much of the movie just isn't really good and it makes so little sense and then it's got this weird tonal thing where it's Got some weirdly disturbing and kind of serious elements while simultaneously just being outlandish and kind of silly. Yeah. But I will say a lot of the characters are more fleshed out here than a lot of other slashers. Yeah, um, I, I thought so too. Especially like Ricky, Paul, and uh, and Angela, and maybe even Judy to an extent. And right. Some of the acting in the film is really bad, but... Felicia Rose, who plays Angela, Jonathan Thier- Tiersten, who plays Ricky, and Christopher as Paul, they are terrible.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, and and I feel like there's like enough like hijinks going on outside of like the main storyline, that it, it feels very like real, unbelievable. Like the kids, like the pranks they're pulling on each other, the baseball game, the game of uh, capture the flag. They're like a lot of like different like uh, storylines going on which I I thought also kind of gave me the impression that the character is a little bit more fleshed out or there's more kind of like going on between the characters outside of just this murder mystery or, or these kills. Right, right.
1: Yeah, and um, one other element that was better than you might expect was the score, in my opinion, by uh, Edward Billows, or Bilou maybe, B-I-L-O-U-S. Uh, it wasn't amazing, but it was decent, and uh, he went on to score a lot of documentaries after this. So, Oh, cool. Yeah. He went on and had a career. Uh, I think this was one of the first scores he ever did, or music he ever did for a film at all. So, wow, that's uh, awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, that score hits you like right in the opening credits. It's, it's a good one. Yeah, pretty, pretty tense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I thought the kills were uh, were pretty imaginative, and it seems like you, you like the gore as well. I did. I like all the kills better
1: than a lot of uh, slashers, and I think there was a decent amount of suspense around the kills too, better than I've seen in some other. 80 slashers, so no complaints around the kills for me. I would have liked to have seen um, a couple of the kills in a bit more detail, but I, maybe just uh, Judy. Judy was a little like cut short, but
0: but that's okay. Sure, okay. Um, let's see what else. Um, oh, so uh, well, I was gonna ask you if the movie holds up, but <laughs> right? Think, I like- mean,
1: there are certainly elements that are pretty like disturbing and problematic yeah um, it in a way it holds up on its own as like a novelty and an anomaly. yeah, um, you know, some other things about it is there aren't any as silly as the movie is, and it's weird choices, there aren't any glaring like editing and cinematography issues that I noticed. Like it isn't amazing at that those elements, but there's not moments where you're specifically thinking, "Oh, that was bad. Oh, yeah, even counting that first boat accident? Even so for me. Maybe I should watch that again with that in mind, but I don't think it was that clunky. They probably should have done more cutaways from the screaming girl (laughs) talking about (laughs) the people and how they need help.
0: Describing what was happening.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so maybe that's the most glaring error. Yeah, Nothing jumps out at me, though, is like, oof, except the acting is really the only part of the movie where I, I might have some oof moments.
0: Totally. Especially like Mel. Mel really, yeah. Yeah. And it's unfortunate he died uh, shortly after this film. Right. Uh, I also thought this was one of the rare camp movies where the kids are like more the on the forefront. I feel like most of them are around the ca- counselors and counselors being murdered than the kids, right?
1: Right, yeah, and I feel like we even discussed that in a recent episode. I can't remember where. How it's always older people dying in these movies, but yeah, these are like twelve to uh, fifteen year old kids dying in this movie. It makes yeah. it a bit more sad. Like some of the some of the movie is pretty dramatic and sad to me. Like when the counselor finds those kids killed in their sleeping bags. Yep. He barfs when he sees the scene. Oh yeah. It, it kind of takes some of the kills and deaths more seriously than other slashers in a way.
0: Yeah. That kill definitely felt emotional cuz I feel like there was some bonding going on between him and those like young kids. Yeah. And, and suddenly he comes back and finds them all, finds them all murdered.
1: Yeah. So there are some charming things about some of the characters and the relationships, and you do get to know a lot of them way more than some other summer camp
0: slashers and eighty slashers in general. Right. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Going back to that dream, uh, or not the dream, but the flashback that she has oh, when right, she's the on the beach. Oh, right. Pin we put in. Yeah. Right. Um, so, do you think when she's making out with? Uh, that boy Paul, and uh, this is her first kind of sexual experience. She's thinking back to when she saw her dad, and then we see her on the bed with another boy. Uh, was that Peter pointing to her, implying that, "Hey, I'm gonna become you, or you're gonna become me, or something"?
1: <laughs> I'm predicting the future. We're yeah. gonna one of us is gonna die in a boating accident, and the other yeah. one will usurp their role.
0: Exactly, yeah. I become you. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, the pointing there confused me. Yeah, But I think the reason for the flashback to witnessing her dad with another man is because she, and sorry, we're getting the pronouns mixed up here and there, folks, uh, but Angela is a boy, and she's about to make out with a boy, and that's a memory she has of her childhood of seeing two men being intimate sure. with each other. So it makes sense to have that flashback there. I just didn't really understand the inclusion in the kids pointing at
0: each other afterwards scene. That one, yeah, I I couldn't figure that out. That was strange, right? Uh, One other question for you. You know, they talk about doing this as a reboot. I can actually see, because, yeah, to me, the story feels very unfinished. Like, you didn't like. You could have told a very powerful story here, right? And if you were to remake this, you could tell a great story about like uh, a, a young uh, individual being, you know, bullied, uh, gender bullied, or whatever, or like, uh, um, yeah, uh, kind of having labels put on them or having to present in a certain way that isn't natural to them, and the output that can have. Uh, so. Yeah, do you you think there's like a modern version of this story that could hold up and like be more complete and like uh, more comprehensive?
1: Boy, I don't know. Like, yes and no. I feel like if you did it now, so many people could get pissed. Like, I could see there being a real backlash if you really tried to make it about like trans issues and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, Um. I'm not saying they shouldn't, or that it couldn't be a good movie, but I bet there'd be a certain segment of people who would get real pissed about that—that they took this like cheesy, shocky '80s film and did that with it. But at the same time, it's like the central issue of the film, really. Once the ending is revealed, so I know,
0: (laughs) I know it's hard to like talk about much around it, right? That's yeah, I mean,
1: mixed feelings on that one. I I could see them really blowing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm do really think there's a uh, it's there's a deeper story to be told, but I don't know how to tell it without really like I don't know. It, it, yeah. it seems like a, a landing that would be difficult to stick.
0: Right, right. Because yeah, you don't want to villainize like any audience. Um, yeah, and, uh Yeah, I know. It's a that's, a that's a difficult one. Yeah, you don't want
1: to like come down on people who just think this is like a fun, silly movie and be like, hey, that was about something. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, you do also don't want to like gloss over that for, through a modern lens. It, it's a weird, a fine a fine line to walk, I think, if you try to reboot this movie.
0: A fine line that didn't exist in uh, 1983, I guess. <laughs>
1: exactly, yes.
0: <laughs> All right. 100%. Well, yeah. Do you want to jump to our rating then or anything else you want to call out about it? Yeah, let's jump to the ratings. All right. Well, how many burned pedophiles would you give this one? Boy,
1: I'm so confused on this one. I feel like at times it was a two, and at times it was a three. I still think that there's enough like strange, nonsensical stuff in this movie, and like just general awkwardness. Even though I can't point to many specific bad things about it, yeah, that it, I I feel like a two. But sure. I do really like the kills. That's that's my favorite part of the movie. And the more I talk about it with you, the more I appreciate about it. Um, ah, I had two and a half written, but I might bump up to a three because I do enjoy oh. watching this movie. So I, I'm gonna yeah. go three. Three pedophile burn pedophiles. How
0: about you? Sure. You know, you know, there's like something charming uh, about like you know, not not talking about the end, but like throughout the film, I do feel like there's like something charming with the characters and like their interplay and stuff. Yeah, uh, right. Minus the bullying, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm close to you, man. I I, I gave it three and a half burning pedophiles. Like I, I thought this was a standard summer slasher, summer camp slasher, whodunit film, and then. The, you know they, they kind of really ran into it at the end, and I, I feel like it feels unfinished. But it's also interesting that they took a, a step there to kind of leave you with like that visual and kind of like a haunting piece at the end, which yeah is very problematic. Um, and you know you can argue like a lot of different sides of it, and it's it's controversial. But it gives the film uh, just like I think an edge over like some of the more uh, standard. And, and like really replicable uh, slasher, slasher films that were going on at the time. Right. So kind of differentiated it slightly. And then, uh, but but mostly like I, I think, yeah, it's the kills, great kills, great suspense, uh, some charm throughout uh, that, that I enjoyed. So I had yeah. it at three and a half. Cool.
1: Yeah. And I've definitely gone up on this. I feel like every time I watch it, I like a little bit more. When I first saw it, I was just like, yeah, two. I, I definitely don't like it. But now I'm a bit more up on it. I appreciate more about it as I watch.
0: Yeah. Do you feel like when you watch it again, are you looking at Angela any differently throughout the film? And, like, maybe, like, because, you know, she doesn't talk a lot throughout the film, but she is like, very expressive, uh, emotional, like, w- with her face. Those eyes, that death stare. Yeah, right. Yeah, you There's read a- more into that stare, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, it was a good performance by, uh, Felisa <laughs> Ross. Ross. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah.
1: yeah, I, I think uh, it was a decent performance, and that's, I mean, it's funny to say the acting in this movie is good, because there is some really bad acting, and really off-the-wall acting, especially by Desiree Gould, who plays Aunt Martha, but yeah. the three core kids really didn't do that bad of a job for, like, yeah. first-time actors. that said introducing by each one of their names in the credits. Um, yeah, yeah. So right, for the yeah. first time those three did a decent job. Um and it was good to see actual kids on screen instead of like twenty five year olds in a summer camp slasher. So uh,
0: I know. That was crazy. Like I I think Felisa was like thirteen or fourteen when she did this.
1: Yeah, she was thirteen, I believe. That's wild. Yep. Cool. Um, All right. Well
0: We'll go ahead. So yeah,
1: yeah, I I, I guess I like it. I, I I hesitate to say I like it, but um if you told me to sit down and watch it, I'd be like, Yeah, sure, okay. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Three seems right.
0: Okay, all right. Cool. Well, uh, anything else you want to add there? Uh, I think that's it. All right. Well, it was fun to watch that one with you, man. Uh, I'm I'm glad we we knocked that one off the list. Yeah, yeah,
1: I'm I'm glad that you've now seen that. I feel like you become a, a new man when you see that movie. I know, or woman. Like... Is. <laughs> it's,
0: <laughs> it's, yeah, something everyone should see for sure. Well, so that's it for our discussion on Sleepaway Camp. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. That's going to help other people find our show, and we always appreciate the feedback. If you want to join the discussion, you can find our social links on horrormovieclub.com or shoot us an email at podcast at horrormovieclub.com. We'll be announcing next week's movie on Facebook and Twitter in case you want to watch it before the next episode. We also are on Discord, so you can find us there and some other listeners. That link is on our website. Our logo is by Amy May Pop Popart. You can check out her work and other merchandise on Etsy.com. Until next time, if you're looking for a new workout routine, Consider putting someone's butt cheeks in front of you while you do sit-ups into them. It's a good way gonna to get some going to make sure motivation. you don't overextend on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Totally. Don't want to go too far <laughs> in. <laughs> you
1: know, it just dawned on me that we get a burned pedophile here in 1983, and then the most iconic burned pedophile a year later in Freddy Krueger.
0: Oh, I forgot he was a pedophile. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Man, pedophiles were really raging back in the 80s. Right? The, the decade of pedophiles. Where'd they all go? It's kind of sick, right? <laughs> <laughs> They're not represented in movies enough, right? Anymore? Why are you all hiding? I know. We <laughs> need just shine a light on them again. Exactly.